raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Four hours to go on Wesson Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You can text us on the Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610. I wanted to get to some of these texts during your foul line rant, Wes. Yes. Are you feeling the electronic music today? It's like dubstep. Oh, yeah, the Britney Spears womanizer, man. That's we had a, that one on. joint. We had that one on earlier today, right? I used to be a womanizer. This that's what's playing right, right now. now. I'm well, then you played Britney Spears already? Yeah, in the I first, played oh, yeah, the first song was, was three. You played the song twice? No. Oh, no, 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 no. The Britney first twice. song was three. Okay. And then this is the woman. So we're just rolling with Britney Spears for any reason well, today? Well, you know, the music is, it? Uh, it goes in order. So the tracks, when I sent it to them, they're in ABC order. No, I know. So we're just so I we're just basically having an artist theme of Britney Spears today. I we're mean, just we rolling. just played back-to-back Britney songs. You got a problem with that? Yeah, that's only two. Okay. I mean, look, I just didn't know. We had two, we had three segments. And I we mean, had two we played Britney 40 songs. root songs in a row. Can we? That's you know correct. What I'm That's, no, I know that. Dude, <laughs> this show is rooted in Britney, baby. <laughs> see what I did there? Uh, we do. We oh. always see it. Okay, let's go to some other text. Uh, <laughs> TC said, Walker, the ultimate hype man, the flavor flave of sports talk. I want to slap your butt cheek. Wrong. Wrong. What? Wrong sound yeah, effect. Yeah, that was a bit much. I was wanting to hit that. <laughs> And I, I hit the wrong one. What is that even from? Oh, that's, hear, that's Jerry V. I heard something about butt cheeks. That might be from the Playboy podcast that they do here after hours. Now, did you start it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Didn't know. Me and Fiddy been working on something behind the scenes. Okay, perfect. Yeah, go check it out at WFNZ and WFNZ.com. Uh, TC asked if we could get a grunt during that foul line. Do you want to give us one retrospect? <laughs> 704 number said, this is the worst take ever. This tournament has been awesome. 704 said, terrible. That's college basketball is better than pro basketball guy because they play harder and play defense. 704, correct. 704, <laughs> terrible take. I'm excited to watch and hope FAU or a San Diego State wins. Parody every now and then is a good thing. 828 said, I'm choosing to watch the Final Four over the first night of WrestleMania. And I'm a huge WWE fan. That's a good question for you. Which one are you going to be watching? Come on. Well, I bring out two TVs, baby. Double up. You you it's still you still shook your head over that take though. WrestleMania will it. be on the main TV. That will be audible though. Is the Wrestle is the WrestleMania event the championship of WWE? It's the biggest one, yeah. How many championship type? I mean, they have a pay per view every couple of months, but uh, WrestleMania is the one. Okay, who won last WrestleMania? Do There's know? no who won WrestleMania, who won, the, <laughs> who won different matches for different belts. But this I'm, is going to be a big one because I think Roman Reigns is about to lose his belt, and he's had it for over two years now. Uh, okay. All yeah, right. Man. We'll see what happens on WrestleMania. Uh, Wes can give you a full breakdown <laughs> I will, yeah, Friday day. for sure, and I might work on a WWE guest. Okay. There, honestly, that's going to be – honestly, if you wanted to do that too – 
by just scheduling someone on Zoom between you two or if you wanted to bring them on. Like, that's going to be one. I just have zero clue. I would do research. This is one of those things where I would do research, and then it would sound like, so who do you think is – I'm just going to be reading well, like you're that. You're pretty good at that, though. You're pretty good at improvising because you'll come off the cuff with a with a cool question, ask them something. So yeah, you do good. That's true. All right, so bring them on. We'll talk some wrestling as well as the Final Four. M-Dog said you tripping. Sounds like you an Alabama fan, and or sounds like you want Alabama to win it every year in football. That's no. what he said you sound like. No, I just like watching the best of the best play against each other. Here's the only thing before we move on to some Hornets conversation, though, because this was a tweet that I saw with the one that I just read, right, about no McDonald's All-Americans in the Final Four. And it's because of the NIL or partly, right? At least that's the assumption Mm -hmm. that some of these other programs are spending NIL money and they're able to get some of these other prospects. Now, I know you've been a big proponent of NIL. Is this an unattended consequence that you actually don't like with the fact that your FAU, some of your other schools, like even Miami, that they're able to get to the final four because of the NIL era? Uh, I think, though, it begs the question of which one has been more impactful because I think for the smaller schools, the transfer transfer portal has been more uh, effective in helping them as opposed to NIL. Uh, I think NIL for the bigger schools is more business as usual. They're going to continue to get the top prospects, and then especially in college basketball, we know the top prospects are going to be one-and-done type of guys. So that's why I think it's kind of more just the transfer portal is helping these smaller schools now, and you have even more transition with these schools, the bigger ones, because the depth, you lose the depth. Look at Carolina, all the guys they lost off the bench. You lose freshmen and guys who aren't playing as much, so you lose that depth. And then you have one and duns on top of that, so you have to build a team from scratch every year, whereas you still have these FAUs and schools like that that are keeping their rosters together longer. They may add a transfer or two from somewhere else, from a bigger school that wasn't getting to play or whatever the case may be. And so these teams are more experienced. And we saw that in a tournament with them knocking off a lot of the big dogs. I guess the question is, do you like it though, right? Because you like the NIL. It clearly has some kind of play here Mm and these teams getting to the final four. And I wonder if we take a 10 year sample size and then we take all of the final four teams that make it within the next decade where NIL is prevalent. Do we see this more often or do you think this is somewhat of a fluke? Like how, how much do we see this and how much are you going to like it? If this is what we see, how will that also change your opinion on NIL being so prevalent in college well, basketball. I will for now say that this is a fluke. I think that the the coaches at the uh, the Power Five, so to speak, they'll adjust to this. They'll figure out how to keep their rosters. They'll figure out what type of kids to go and get uh, as far as just to be able to have more continuity so that they can compete. And I still think the talent at the end of the day is going to still be in favor of the, uh, the the larger schools, and I think we're going to see them continue to get to championship rounds. But like I said, we'll see going forward. But this year is definitely a um, it's a statement for the for the state of college basketball. My friend just texted me and said, I have so much to teach you about WWE with all laughing emojis. Everybody is saying (laughs) WrestleMania over basketball. They also want you to do a fire or fizzle WrestleMania. I think you've already done 
a wrestling. I did wrestling with a, a while different, back. different people, but yeah, I could I could look I, into that WrestleMania matches. Okay, we maybe. can we we'll can see. Uh, yeah, all I'm gonna do is just read, and then you take us wherever you want to, because that's gonna be entirely your segment. Real quickly before we move on to the Charlotte Hornets, I did want to tell you about Charlotte FC. Major League Soccer is now in season, and the WFNZ Jack Daniels Doghouse is open for business. The Doghouse doors will open up three hours before every home match, so stop by, get ready for kickoff with some of your favorite friends, and you can join us for the pregame and the postgame parties at the Jack Daniels Doghouse. Coming to you live from the Audi Charlotte studio and brought to you by Jack Daniels, Pepsi, also powered by the Garage Door Guru text line. That's you, only from Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. We're also the home of the Charlotte Hornets, and we got to air a couple of victories. The Charlotte Hornets beat the Dallas Mavericks twice over the weekend. The first time they beat them 117-109, to DSJ, Hits a pretty much cement three to keep them out of the chance of winning this game. That was weirdly worded, but you get the idea. And then going to the next game, the Dallas Mavericks, they lost to the Hornets again, 110 to 104. It doesn't matter if Luka Doncic actually goes off for 40. The Charlotte Hornets still find a way to get the victory. If you go to the Western Conference playoff picture, Dallas is not only not in the top eight, they're not in the top six. They're not in the top 10 right now after these two losses. They've lost four straight, and they're not even in the play-in tournament right now after trading for Kyrie Irving. Charlotte brought back Mark Williams, was an absolute beast over the weekend, grabbing every single rebound possible, looking good scoring the basketball too. We also saw James Booknight. First game he played, only a minute, gave up a bucket, went right back to the bench. Second game provided nice back-to-back plays. One three that he hit, and then the next possession actually scored in transition with a nice finish at the basket. What do these wins mean to you, Wes, seeing Charlotte become victorious? Uh, nothing. I no. mean, it's at the end of the season. They're playing a reeling Dallas squad. It just tells me that they're continuing to play hard and that they do care about how they look out on the court. I think if you want to take away any positive, I think that's it. These are not guys that are mailing it in, thinking about vacation and all these things. Uh, these are guys that are still coming to play basketball, uh, and they want to win games, and I think you have to respect that, and I think that's a testament to Coach Clifford. I think it matters. And I think it matters because you're talking about a team with a large portion of this roster coming back next season. We'll see what happens with the number one overall selection, whether it's two, three, four, five, whatever. We're all hoping for Wimby. Odds are you won't get him. And hopefully you can get somebody as a nice prospect. Well, that's to, positive. Well, you might not. Well, you just <laughs> It's not very positive. That's correct. But I'm just telling you the facts. <laughs> the odds are you're not going to get them, but hopefully they can. They have a decent shot. You winning these games does not take you out of the fourth best odds in the lottery. You're just you're already cemented in that spot. Orlando's too far above you. Portland on the West Coast, they're too far above you. So winning these games matters. Because I think when you go back to some of the other teams that have tanked beforehand, you go back to the Phoenix Suns, you even go to Philadelphia before Joel Embiid got past his injury problems. Same thing with Ben Simmons, and then eventually he just went away from that organization. But what happens is you build a culture of losing so badly where you just expect it night in and night out. And I think that's hard to break. I think you're seeing that with the Houston Rockets post James Harden. You're seeing it right now. They're an absolute dumpster fire. So if you bring back Mark Williams, a young first round pick who contributes to winning, 
even without Terry Rozier, mind you, right? Like, you don't have Terry playing in this game. You don't have Kelly playing in this game. This is a Dallas team that is still playing for their playoff chances, but they're also not so far ahead in the standings where they can just coast and then get the seeding that they want so anyway. Like they they're, win. they're playing hard, and the Charlotte Hornets beat them. On the road, they beat them, and at home, they beat them. 20-point underdog, 12-13-point underdog. And still, with the young players, they're playing so well. And if you look post-All-Star break, they have the best defense in the NBA. They also have the best transition defense in the NBA. And this team is playing for Steve Clifford, just what it is. And now you're seeing the identity that Clifford brings to every single team he's ever coached. You're starting to see that even without some of the better players on the roster suiting up because of injury. Think about that. Think about no LaMelo Ball. Think about no Terry. Think about no Kelly in these last two games. They got their two close to two best wins of the season. There's some other ones in there as well. But now they're starting to implement the style of play that Steve Clifford brings. I think it says a lot about their head coach. I think it says a lot about your first round pick in Mark Williams which are a couple of the things you want to pay attention to anyway to finish the rest of the season. You're not going to get a postseason berth. That's fine. You're not going to lose enough to go get Wimby or better odds at Wimby. But these wins do matter, especially when you compare some of the other losing, tanking teams in the recent history that just can never get out of their own way. I think this stuff does matter. Yeah, and the mentality too, though, because Dennis Smith came after the game and he said, I guess because they got Kyrie Irving back that they thought it was sweet and he said they wanted to put him in the dirt. So I like the fact that these guys are finding reasons to go out and play basketball and play as hard as they can. So like you said, I do think it's a testament to Cliff. I do think that uh, it bodes well as far as them being able to have some momentum. You don't want to go into the offseason being like, man, they were just horrible from the start of the season until the end. The fact that they are coming out here to ball out, you know, that will, I think, help them and help propel them into the offseason when they do get that healthy roster. Now, another really nice thing this weekend is what James Booknight provided in that second game against Dallas. Here's Steve Clifford talking about what this might mean for the former first-rounder. Well, I just think this can, it's an opportunity for him. So he can now, um, you know, use this as a springboard into his summer. You know, I mean, last year, one of the things that's hurt his year this year was, and it was, I mean, you know, he didn't have a summer last year. You know, he really didn't do any. I'm not, not, I mean, he's injured. So he wasn't able to do anything. And I would say, and I, I, this would be hard to argue with, that regardless of how old guys are, most of their year is set up in the summer. Rarely do guys have bad summers and come back and have great years. Um, so, you know, hopefully this last whatever six games he can use. Well, I'm going to play him a little bit more and a little bit more. Um, and, uh, you know, again, hopefully it can be positive and, and uh, like I said, be a, a springboard into his summer. This is a guy who was not even supposed to get an opportunity the last 10 games of the season. But because you lost two backcourt players in Terry Rozier and Kelly Oubre, because you don't have LaMelo Ball, they had no choice. Yeah. They brought James Booknight up from the G League, who had a 44-point performance not too long ago. And they also brought up Teo Maladone. So there's good and bad here. Booknight providing you two great possessions back-to-back, even defensively staying in front of Kyrie Irving, not an easy task. And so that is something to build off of, hopefully, that can help you in the future. In the first game, he came in again. He gave up maybe even two buckets, if I'm not mistaken, made two defensive mistakes, and then went right back to the bench. So there is some bad, but at least Book Knight is getting this opportunity, and he did make the most of it in that second game when there was not supposed to be any run for him whatsoever. And if you look, Bryce McGowan's is still getting more time. 
Teo Maladone, who we have not seen in a long time, he's even getting more run than James Booknight. It does show you where he is on the pecking order right now, but he's playing, and as a former first-round pick, and you want to see him out there on the floor, you're going to see him out there on the floor in the last six games that we have, last eight if you include these two against Dallas, and I think that does matter if you want to salvage any kind of ability that he could bring to this franchise. Maybe he does it for a different one, but if you want to salvage anything he can bring to this franchise, I think these last eight games matter. Oh, yeah, they're crucial to his career at this point, and I'm not saying his career is going to be over if he doesn't play well, but I think he really has a chance to get some good vibes, so to speak, for himself going into the offseason. If he can come out and light it up, not saying he has a score 40 like he did in the G League, but if he can come out and really show that he's making sound decisions uh, on both ends, especially on defense. Like you said, he was taken out after he made a couple of bad defensive plays. But I think if he can give himself some goodwill going into the offseason, it will help him a lot. All right, so we have to actually call an audible going into the next segment. We were going to talk about Will Levis. We were going to talk about some Panthers decisions, but now we're going to get somebody on to help us out. Nick Roush, I believe, is going to be joining us. on the other side of the break. So really appreciate him. He was there covering Will Levis this past season there at the Pro Day as well. So we'll we'll get his thoughts and takes on how Levis performed on his Pro Day. Coming up next, Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Wes and Walker Show returns. This is not Bucktown, but this is the Queen City. In Queen City, you are listening to us. This is the Wes and Walker Show. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Just in case I got to smoke some. Yeah, man. Hopefully we won't need to do that. We won't have a radio <laughs> show anymore. Well, we had the uh, smoke the spin pack last week yeah. for Fire and Fizzle. That's, that's what spin. you were talking about. I can about. only imagine what that's about. But <laughs> Carolina Panthers, number one draft pick, controlling the draft. Do they know who they want to pick? One of the guys auditioning to be that pick last week was Will Levis. And so to talk more about him, we have Nick Roush from Kentucky Sports Radio, also on 3 Sports. You can catch him on Twitter, at RoushKSR. Nick, what's shaking, baby? I'm doing well, doing well. Excited for draft season. It was a, it was a pro day, unlike anything we've seen in Lexington with the amount of uh, front office officials, GMs. It was it was exciting, everyone there to watch Will Evans rep. Now, that's a great starting point right there because we know that C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young's pro days were each kind of had crazy buzz. Will Levis's, it did seem to have that buzz that you were talking about, but he seems now to be a little bit of an afterthought when you look at it from a perception standpoint. But what did you think coming into that pro day? What was the buzz like being there? It it was kind of funny because – Part of the reason why Levis is such uh, an attractive quarterback, it, it's the same reason why people are so high on Anthony Richardson, too. It's, it's all about the traits, the tools. And, and so Richardson, he had a great combine, and Levis became, like you said, kind of an afterthought. 
but at that pro day, you know, he did a good job of showing why uh, people love him so much, showing that big arm, throwing 65-yard bombs on a rope. Uh, but really, with, with that, we've known he's got a big arm, but the difference uh, in, in what he showed in that pro day is he's putting a little bit more touch on his passes instead of trying to throw uh, those five-yard outs, right, those little dumps to the flight 100 miles an hour. He's putting a little bit more touch on the ball, and, and I, think, uh, I think teams generally liked what they saw um, if there was one thing you were going to critique him specifically on, is something that's kind of always been a problem with his. It's his, uh, it's his lower body, and it's, it's throwing to the left. Something about his left side, he's not quite comfortable yet. It's not like Zoolander where he can't turn left, but, <laughs> but it is fair to say that he's, he's less accurate going to that side of the field. Nick Roush on the Body Works Guest Plus Hotline talking about Will Levis's Pro Day. Will, what were your expectations? Because we know these guys, they get with these trainers and they get with these guys to help them with mechanics and different things like that. And they said uh, that he was working with Jordan Palmer to help him uh, with those things. So what did you come in expecting? And did you see anything different that made you be like, hey, you know, this guy's really putting in the work? And and that's even been a... A thing that Levis, before he even started at Kentucky, he he was meeting with outside. He had an outside kind of quarterbacks coach working with him on that lower body mechanics. And I, if there's one thing that uh, you've got to commend Levis on, he's really coachable um, it, because he has shown improvements. He, he showed improvements from the combine to the pro day. I just think the biggest thing that's hampered him throughout his career is he's had too many coaches played five years in college, had five different offensive coordinators. So for him to succeed at the next level, he needs a little bit of stability. If he can find that in whatever organization he lands, I think he's shown that he can be coachable and take whatever his coaches are giving to him. Nick, is there a quality about Will Levis that we're not talking about enough as maybe whether it be the national NFL personalities or even locally where you have a whole bunch of different teams or a whole bunch of different markets talking about whether their franchise is going to take this guy? What's something that you feel like is being under-celebrated a part of his game? The, the big thing for Will, that it, it's the boring stuff that you can't watch and measure, and that's the intangibles for him. Uh, when he arrived at Kentucky, he was the hand-picked uh, quarterback by Liam Cohen, who spent last season at the Rams and is now back at UK. But he could have came in and, and said, you know, been too cool for school, for the lack of a better term. Uh, but no, he, he went in. He had to earn that job. He did it with his play. He didn't just come in and uh, kind of demand attention. He did it with his play, and his teammates respected him. And there was something that Chris Rodriguez said recently, the Kentucky running back, that's probably be third, fourth, fifth-round selection for the Cats, almost broke the school rushing record this year. He said, you know, there's kind of there's always clicks on teams, but Will isn't like that. Like, he can hang out with anybody and everybody. His, his ability to be a high-quality locker room guy, I don't, I don't think that's something that, that is being talked about enough when it comes to, to how he's being evaluated 
uh, by, by just the draft Knicks, if you will. Well, and, and speaking of national draft guys, you have Mel Kuyper going on ESPN every day and telling you that you need to pay attention to the 2021 tape rather than the 2022 tape because the supporting cast was just so much better, whether it be your wide receivers and offensive line, everybody was better in 2021. Just how big of a gap is there between those two years regarding Will Levis, Nick, that you think, okay, this is what you should be paying attention to more two years ago? Most importantly, it's just how he was protected. Uh, he was the most sacked quarterback in college football last year. <laughs> and, and the year before, Kentucky's offensive line, they were Joe Moore Award finalists, one of the three best offensive lines in the country. They had uh, Luke Fortner as the starting center for the Jags throughout all of last season was his center. Darian Kennard was a consensus All-American. When he had time, he excelled. And uh, the other thing that really, I think, uh, hurt his 2022 season the, the Kentucky brought in another uh, pro NFL guy, offensive coordinator, Rich Scangarello, but he ran a system that, as somebody told me on the team, Will Levis was the only person on the team that knew the playbook besides the offensive coordinator. So he had a lot on his plate. He was asked to do a lot. And in that 2020 season, two season, despite being sacked something like 50 times, he still only missed one game. He paid, played through a lot of pain. Uh, but the biggest, I think the biggest, reason why he took such a step back in production, because Scangarello said, we're not going to run this guy. And, like, you know, that's like having Lamar Jackson and saying, we're not going to run him. I mean, Will is not certainly not Lamar Jackson to that degree, but he's as big as a linebacker. He runs like a tight end. you got to use that. So I, I think that was part of his game when they took that out. It, it kind of clipped his wings, for a lack of a better term. And when he gets to that next level, no, he, he, he knows he can't just lower his shoulder to run over guys. Uh, but that needs to be something that his next offensive coordinator utilizes. Nick, you talked about how many coordinators and coaches that he's had. Do you think that's something that's really going to help him when he gets to the next level? Because we know the turnover on coaching staffs in the NFL when things don't go well. Do you think that's going to be a plus for him? Oh, it, it, picking up a new offense will not be a challenge for him. If there's one thing you knock on Levis, it, they say he's got a slow processor. He's a little slow to, to go from you know one one route to the next, right, when, he, when he's reading through his progression. Um, but as far as picking up an offense, I, I don't think that'll be a problem. And the good thing is, too, is uh, Scangarella, who's the offensive coordinator last year, he came from the Shanahan tree, and Liam Cohen came from the McVay tree. Well, that's like half of the NFL's offenses right now. So particularly with the Panthers, uh, I know Reich is, is calling the shots, but uh, – Thomas Bryant, Thomas Moore, one of the, the Thomases, the name is escaping me. Thomas Brown, the yeah. There we go. I, I was close there. So I, I'm, I'm assuming he's going to incorporate some of those concepts that have similar terminology that, you know, that's, that's the, the offense Levis knows how to run and shouldn't be a problem for him to pick up. And then were you able to kind of check out the scouts and – the NFL personnel that was in attendance there while he was going through his throwing session? And if so, did you see uh, the body language or, you know, maybe just get to see how they were reacting to what he was doing? I got to say, I thought, I thought the whole Carolina Panthers organization was there. I, I, I <laughs> hope they turned off the lights at the facility because there was <laughs> there <were> so <laughs> many people there. And, and actually, it, it surprised me because – you know, a lot of people, I think, assumed when Carolina moved up to number one, like, okay, well, they're going to get Bryce Young. Um, but uh, they're doing their homework. And I think Reich 
has, likes the kind of quarterback that Levis is. But the the ones that really jumped out uh, besides the Panthers, uh, Pete Carroll was there. Um, his offensive coordinator is the McVay guy and Shane Waldron. The Seahawks had a ton of people. And then the, the Raiders, which uh, both the Raiders and the Seahawks just signed guys, but they signed Jimmy G and, you know, Geno Smith. Like, is that is that who you're going to bank on long-term for the future? I don't know. So if Levis – those do feel like good opportunities where Levis doesn't have to be the guy uh, right away and kind of dip his toes in the water before growing as a quarterback and emerging into a starting role. Nick Roush of Kentucky Sports Radio joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. I wanted to talk about a different quarterback here, Nick. You got one of the guys that we've been covering over the last few years. Devin Leary will be starting at quarterback for Kentucky football. How excited? What is your outlook of uh, Devin Leary going into next year's season? Man, Kentucky fans are really excited about Devin Leary because uh, the the one knock that you have on Levis about uh, sometimes the layups look difficult. They aren't that easy. Man, Leary's so smooth when he throws the football. Uh, we got the chance to go out to spring practice last week, and uh, by all intents and purposes, he's completely recovered from that that pec injury. And man, it's just it, it really is just the ball placement. I mean going in between the two levels of the zone of the defense, whether he's throwing a dig, like a deep comeback. Leary's, Leary's a really good quarterback. Now, it, it was a little bit of a change-up for me, though. I'm used to seeing Levis out there, who's, you know, 6'4", 235, and then you see Leary, you're like, gosh, that guy's tiny. It's like, Man, he's not really tiny as much as he's just like an average-sized quarterback, and I've been watching a linebacker play the position for the last two years. Well, that was Nick Rouse from Kentucky Sports Radio, also of On3 Sports on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can catch him on Twitter at RouseKSR. Nick, we appreciate the time, my man. Thanks for having me on, guys. Y'all have a great day. No doubt. So, yeah, some good stuff to say right there, man. Everybody making their case. But does it feel like at this point that Will Levis is kind of an an afterthought in this process? Or do you think he still has a legitimate shot? No, I I don't. I don't really think so. I, I, I don't. I don't think that it was because of the pro day that he doesn't have a legitimate shot. I just think that the Carolina Panthers traded up to number one because they have their decision at least at the very least dwindled down between two different guys. And I think those two different guys are CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. In fact, if you go check out Joe Persons, one of the most recent articles that he put out there on The Athletic, it's funny that he kind of just talks about it as if it's understood one of these QBs will be playing for Carolina, CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, and we can see them bring everybody on board to whatever pro day you're talking about. We're going to see this happen with Anthony Richardson, too, and that's all fine. I'm glad that everybody is there. Everybody is getting their own opinion in real person, trying to figure out, is this a QB that we should actually consider draft drafting number one overall? That's all well and good. But also, for whatever reason, they want to keep this a secret. And the reason you'd have to guess is in case they are okay with CJ and Bryce, they'd be willing to trade down one spot where Houston trades up to number one. They get their guy. Carolina doesn't have to worry about any other team jumping in front of them. And then they take the other one, whoever that is. That's the only reason as to why you are going to try to hide your pick. And so because of that, I think that's the reason they're going to all of these different pro days to keep it hush mouth as to who they're really interested in. Think about unless they were trying to outright lead you astray then 
you would go to CJ's, you'd go to Bryce's, and then it's only between those two guys, so you're good, we don't need to go to the pro days, right? Like, I think they're doing this to keep all the options available to all the other teams saying, okay, maybe Carolina does really want Anthony Richardson. Maybe they really do want Will Levis. Well, at one point, it was stated earlier in the year that David Tepper was in love with Will Levis. And so you wonder if, you know, that's still there. Did the pro day reinforce that or have the quarterback soon just wash those thoughts uh, from from Tepper's memory? I don't think he's all the way out of it. But uh, like I said, he does seem to me to have the least buzz uh, amongst the pro- the amongst the prospects. How surprised would you be? If the Panthers did end up taking him, and and where is Will Levis's stock at this point in your eyes? Is he, in your mind, a lock to go top ten, top five? I think top five. I think he's not going to fall further than five. But I, I think top five is is tough because I don't know what Anthony Richardson's status is compared to him right now. Like if if we love what his combine was, then maybe he could jump ahead of Will Levis. And at f- four QBs going in the top five is a lot, right? Because you have the Colts. Panthers, the Texans, all pegged as drafting quarterbacks. And then I feel like it either could be a surprise trade up in there mm-hmm. or I think the Raiders. So, like I said, I'll, I'll go back. I'll say top 10 because I don't think That's he falls further think. than the Raiders. Totally agree with But that. then there could be a team that jumps up, especially if they're in love with Will Levis and they feel like the Colts may take him or Richardson. I don't know. This could well, get sure. dicey. Yeah, it's possible. If you're asking what I think is a lock, I think top 10 is a lock. I wouldn't feel comfortable saying it's a lock that Will Levis is going to go top five or Anthony Richardson. I just think that's going to be too dicey because anything could play out. I don't think any of these QBs that we're talking about fall outside of the top 10. I think that's true for Richardson. I think that's true for Levis. And of course, it's true for Stroud or Young. So that's what I feel. I feel like top 10, we're going to see all of them off the board at that time. Top five is going to be real close, though. And eventually, I think Carolina is going to choose one of Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Well, I feel like it's time for uh, the second 50 flash of the day. So if you feel like that, it. I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> Well, I don't want you to because you might receive a technical foul, and this is what my flash is about. The NBA has rescinded Lucas Tech from yesterday against the Hornets, making him eligible for tonight's game against the Pacers. I ask you guys, is that a good move by the league, or is this just the league wanting to have one of its star players on the court for a team that's chasing a spot in the play-in tournament for this year. You're so close to the end of the regular season. Of course you want your star playing in a moment where the Dallas Mavericks are currently out of the play-in tournament right now. If you don't have Luka suit up for Dallas, then you got to sign that off as an L, right? And them losing their fifth straight game if Luka doesn't go. You know, I'm not even mad at it. At the same time, I imagine the NBA has every single reason to want Luka Doncic out there on the court. And in this case, they had the power to bring him back on. Yeah, I think that as well. But I also shoot the, the, the rule of thumb in the NBA now is the less players you have, the better chance you have to win. Maybe if Luka sits out, the Mavericks are going on a winning streak because it seems like every night the team that is missing the most players wins the game. That's just the way it is in the NBA right now. So, I mean, we'll see. But I think, like you said, the NBA wants Luka out there. They want the Mavericks in the playoffs. He's one of their biggest stars, no matter if you want to go under 25, 26, or in the NBA period. Not not that this is a Dallas-based station, but just real quickly, Mm. we do have a Knicks fan in here. 
we have a Knicks fan who is reaping the benefits of having Jalen Brunson on his team. Can you imagine if the Dallas Mavericks, after getting to the Western Conference Finals last year, miss out on just not agreeing to a deal with him earlier in the season and Brunson, he leaves, has the season he is with the Knicks, and then you trade for Kyrie Irving and you still don't even make the play-in. That is as disastrous as it could possibly get for the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, that is it's awful. <laughs> I mean, what else can you say? A lot of people thought Kyrie and Luka look out, but it hasn't been happening that way so when we come back the ncaa tournament season acc team get into the final four how good are the canes we talk about that next this is the western walker show sports radio 927 wfnz raise a spoon to grandma who always took all the hungry cousins to mcdonald's for mcnuggets and the play play slide have something sweet in her honor Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We just called another audible. This is what's happening. That is the theme of today's show at 2.20. At 2 o'clock or 2.20? I think it's 2.20. 2.20. Wes isn't listening to me. 2.20. But that's okay. LaFonso Ellis of ESPN will be joining us talking college basketball. And we'll also go to the guest line right now. 704-570-9610. The Body Works Plus guest hotline, I guess is what you could call it. Jim Selania calling in. What do you got for us today, Jim? Well, I don't think Ellis is going to make a bet with you guys, but I feel like betting, so I'm going to place a bet, uh, not place a bet, but make a bet with either one of you or both of you. And that regards the availability of one quarterback, Will Levis. You okay. know, unless he, unless he jumps up on the Bank of America building and slides down and saves Lois Lane, he ain't going to be the number one pick. So I will give you either one who want to take it. 25 to 1 odds on a, on a $20 bill. On a $20 bill, I think you can win 500 and you'd owe me 20 uh, once the draft takes place. Uh, anybody want to want to take the bet? It's just a 20, just a mere just a mere 20. I mean, it's not bad odds to be honest with you. Considering well, Will we, Levis? Well, and if we get too high, then Jim's not going to pay it, right? Yeah. Like so if we get 50 to 1 odds if we negotiate this, then, you know, Jim might be hurting. Yeah. His dog needs food. And so I don't want to take away food <laughs> off of his dog's table. So this <laughs> is I feel like these are pretty good odds, Jim. Yeah, twenty-five to one odds. I started off at ten to one, and I said twenty to one. And I said, "What the hell? Let's make it twenty-five to one." <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how sure I am. Will Levis is not going to be the number one draft pick. I don't want to take away any kind of conversation you guys might want to have. I know, I know what that's like. No, but, that, that's good. I just, I, I feel like I'm going to be a wimp here because I feel confident as well that he's not going to be the number yeah, one. Yeah, I don't pick. think so. Yeah, but I'm but not you, touching that. So if it was Anthony Richardson, would you consider taking this, Wes? Because you seem to have you put Will Levis at last. Place. I think Anthony Richardson is going to be in the conversation, but at the end of the day, I do not think he's going to be the guy either. Um, well, well, here's the thing. Maybe we can do this between listeners, right? Because Stanford P just texted in and he said, "I got you, Jimmy!" Exclamation point. So if we could somehow find a way. For you, Jim, and Stanford P to exchange the money if it indeed does happen for either one of you, maybe that is the bet that we can have here on Wes and Walker. 
Well, it sounds like Stanford P has got a twenty dollars bill just burning a hole in his pocket. That's right. He wants to get rid of it. You know. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway, I, I there's no way there's no way they moved up to number one to take Will Levis. There's absolutely I would I'm not going to sit here and bet the house away. But uh, there's no way, and you guys I know agree, there's no way you move up like that to take him at number one. Well, before we let you out of here, Jim, we'll ask you, who do you think it ends up being? Is it Bryce Young or is it C.J. Stroud? I've leaned towards Stroud all the way through, but the more I read, the more they talk about playmaker. But, they, you know, they might be just throwing up a smoke screen. Wes knows about that, I know. But I still think it's C.J. Stroud. I think they're going to go with the 6'3 quarterback as opposed to the 5'10 quarterback. And Stroud is, is, is purely accurate. He can make all the throws. So I'm staying with Stroud. I won't be unhappy if they take if they take the Alabama quarterback, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Stroud as being the, being the choice of this team. All right, that's Jim Selania calling in to give you his QB takes and to let you know that if it indeed were to happen, he would have the ability to pay us five hundred dollars if one were to take this bet. We're gonna pass on it, but we do appreciate Jim calling in because we both don't agree, or we both agree as well that Will Levis is not going to be the selection. Jim, we appreciate it, man. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate you taking my call, as always. Yeah, man. Jim Selania, the legend that is, calling into Wes and Walker. And so, Scott Fitter, we do believe he's going to take either C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. And you think Anthony Richardson is going to be a part of the conversation, but eventually not be the pick Mm -hmm. by the Panthers at number one? Yeah. I just think that, like I said, his pro day, especially if he comes out and really, really shows some accuracy that, People think that he is lacking and he's consistent with it throughout the workout. I think that's going to put a lot on the Panthers' mind because uh, when you talk about the combination of athletic skills that he has and if he really shows that he can put it together from a mechanic standpoint, from an accuracy standpoint, I mean, I think for anybody that would be hard to uh, pass up because you're like, what if we don't take this guy and, you know, he ends up being the next Cam Newton? Sometimes when you look up at the TV, we have three. We have different programs on. <laughs> and a lot of times, one of the programs, at least at the beginning of the show, it's usually Mari mm-hmm. because they transition and that's what's on. So I thought you might be watching that, but instead, I'm going to make a guess that you're watching a, a high school McDonald's All-American Skills Challenge dunk contest from about four years ago. Is that, yeah, is that Scotty what you've been Lewis just did a to? windmill over okay. two people. So that was, uh, you know, that's something that'll catch your attention. That's, that's a Charlotte Hornet, Scotty Lewis, by the way. Yeah. Out of Florida, that was drafted by the Charlotte Hornets. And so Scotty Lewis participating here. So is Cole Anthony. What's your opinion on Cole Anthony, Fitty? Um, God. So that I was don't, such a mediocre year they had. When he yeah, played. I mean, you know, like if he was healthy, I think that team isn't 14 and 19. I don't – I'm not so convinced they they make the tournament with him because, God, he was such an ISO player and he was so inefficient at it. But, I mean, he, he's, he was a great teammate. He supported his guys, and he's one of the guys that now in the NBA gasses up the guys that he played with that are still at Carolina like Armando Baycott. Do you remember when Cole Anthony went off against Notre Dame in mm-hmm. their first conference game of the season? First we were all game like, of the year. Yep, okay, we're all ready. I mean, UNC <laughs> about to run the table, and it was very, very different from Cole Anthony the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'd never seen Roy Williams as, I mean, outside of Kobe White, but Kobe White had three other all-ACC guys around him. Like, he predicated his whole offense around a freshman point guard. It's never This never happened in Carolina yeah. basketball history. Eventually, Cole Anthony ran out of gas and rather quickly, which reminds me of a story that Fiddy told me before <laughs> we hopped on the mic today that something occurred 
again for like <laughs> what is the seventh time to yeah. you this weekend? Yeah. Fitty, first fix this, but tell the people what you need to fix because of what you told me earlier today. So on my way to visit my mother because I'm a good loving son, making the way down the train wreck that is I-77, I ran out of gas. And this isn't the first, the second, or even the third time I've ran out of gas. This is like the seventh or the eighth time that I've done it. And this was the third gas can I have bought as an adult. And I even knew, I even told my mom as she picked me up to go buy a gas can and get gas. She's like, how are we going to get back on the interstate? And I was like, mom, I've done this a couple times. I've got experience at navigating the interstate to get back on the road to put gas in my car. This this has happened wow. a handful of times. Why don't you just get gas when the when the actual uh, <laughs> gas meter tells you, hey, it might be on E here in a second? Why do you keep um, waiting as long as you do? You know, and in such a fast moving world that Union County is, I just don't have time to stop what I'm doing. If it's put- fast, you need gas then, <laughs> and you just keep running out. Right, and then you waste more time having because I would imagine the process of. Walking to a gas station, coming back to put gas in, takes up easily 90 minutes to two hours. Well, and somebody, mm, your mom even picked you up, right? In yeah, because she, she was like 20 minutes away. I did it one time in the mountains. I was house-sitting for Ooh. my folks who were away, and I ran out of gas, and I had no one close that I could go to. <laughs> so when I was about four and a half miles away from the house, so that was my, I just started walking. And I came up across this guy. He was on a ladder cleaning out his gunners. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go ask this fellow. He's got a gas can, and sure enough, he did. And it saved me about. It saved me a full day. Did he tell you to come inside and and get it? Wow. And get what? The gas wow, can. That, dude, that got really the dark. Gas can. Really... I just needed you to clarify that. Clearly the gas can. He said he asked if he had a gas can. I said, did he ask you to come inside and get it? That's y'all's dirty, man. No, it's not. But Wes also considered the source here. Like, we were all very worried <laughs> about what you meant. I actually was a little scared asking you to clarify what you meant. I was hoping you'd say <laughs> gas can. But I actually shouldn't have gone down the that gas road. gas can. I wish I would have ran out of gas before I actually made that point. But yeah, that man, that's, that's crazy. I've never run out of gas I've done in my it, life. I've done it one time, and it's the only time. I've gotten close. My girl like, would drive her car on E like that, and, and I'm like, why? Yeah, it's scary. When I had my internship, really about 10 years ago, I got to the parking lot and decided, you know what? I mean, it was hurting. But I also didn't want to be late, and so I was like, okay, I'm just going to get there, and then I'll go immediately to the gas station, which was like .2 miles away, and then I tried to turn on the car, and then tried to go, and that thing kept backing up as I, I was giving it gas, and it just kept on rolling backwards. So but like, your, right. track, your truck is fairly new. Does it not tell you how many miles it is to empty or something like that? So like when I get to like 40, it, it will just switch from how many miles I have left to just low. So, like, th- therefore, I can no longer gauge it. I mean, like, I knew I was two miles away when it gave out on me. Like, and you were, were you going to get gas? Yeah, I was on my way to the gas station, and it quit. Like, <laughs> I had less than a quarter of a tank of gas when I left my house Friday morning. Drove from here, for, drove from Char- or Monroe to here, and tried to get from here to Exit 107. Like, I, I got what I deserved. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and there no. gas stations on Freedom and Wilkinson Boulevard as well that you pass by on the way to get to the interstate, right? Uh, actually, actually, there is not. Or you go across the the Arrowhead. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, not Arrowhead. Moorhead. Yep. Yeah, that's how I go pick you up go across 77. That yeah. 
Okay. 704 said gas stations everywhere and dude runs out of gasoline. Embarrassing, bro. A lot of people are mad at you or just disappointed that you ran out of gas again. How yeah, do you story think story of my life? Is this going to happen again to you or have you learned your lesson finally? No. Um, I would love to say that it's not going to happen again. It's going to happen again. Yeah, I think we all know that. All right, that's Josh <laughs> Fitty Marlowe telling us that he ran out of gas for like the 10th different time. We'll come back one more hour to go. We'll continue to update you on the Carolina Panthers offseason, break down some of the moves that they've made over the past couple of weeks. Plus, we'll also get to LaFonso Ellis at 220 to talk about the ACC, Miami representing the conference in the NCAA tournament and NIL, all sorts of stuff revolving the world of college basketball. It's Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.